Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome, welcome. It's a new year, Solar Warrior, and a new decade. Are you ready for it? I am, and I'm thrilled that you've chosen to start off your new year tuning in to Suncast for this 211th episode. Time is our most valuable and non-renewable resource. So thank you again for lending us your earballs today. We're kicking off the new year with an interview that has taken me the entire four years of Suncast to finally nail down. But I know it has been so worth it. Dean Solon founded Scholl's Technologies more than two decades ago. And it's one of the most well-known, fast-growing, and highly profitable businesses that I know of in our business. I'm sure many of you may know of the Shoals brand. You've possibly even enjoyed yourselves at one of the many fantastic, must-attend SPI parties that Shoals is famous for. You likely have even become one of their thousands of satisfied customers. But do you know the inception story? Well, wait no longer, my friend. Today, you will get the full details not only of how and why Dean started Shoals, but we're also joined in the first half by his protege and VP of sales, Ben Macias. Their relationship has been one full of struggles, but also full of wild success, incredible growth, and love. Indeed, Dean and Ben appear more like father and son than mentor and mentee or founder and protege. They have both garnered deep respect in our solar industry. And today, we dive into what, from their perspective, makes Scholl's tick and keeps them at the bleeding and leading edge of the solar revolution. This discussion was recorded live at SPI Podcast Lounge, and my only regret is that we truly didn't have enough time to really fully unpack Dean's story. But he does give us great insight into the mind and processes undergirding the staggering success and staying power of Shoals. So get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. All right, Solar Warriors, today's guest on Suncast is indeed one that I've waited years to get. Ben Macias has, uh, my, is my, uh, my, has my testimony that I've asked at least a dozen times. And one of the things that's true about Suncast is that I have the personal perspective. I'm going to be here for a thousand episodes. And Dean, if it had taken a thousand calls, I would have kept calling because I feel like your story is one that needs to be told. Welcome to Suncast, Dean Solon. Thanks for having us. Man. Ben Macias. Yeah, man. Thanks for helping make it happen. You guys are like father and son almost. It's crazy. Like, and you're iconic in our industry after how many years now? 14 years? Yeah. 14, 16 years. 17. 17. It keeps growing. 17. We are here live at the Podcast Lounge at Solar Power International 2019. Thanks to our sponsor, Radiant Reet and Suncast Media for helping make this venue possible. 
Thanks also to Shoals Technologies as one of our se- as one of our session sponsors for helping ensure the continuity and help us get our live cast going. Thanks to, thanks to Tyler Morris, who's been our technician, helping uh, make sure that the live stream is working. We're still working through the uh, we're still working through the pains of how does live cast work. This is my mm-hmm. first foray into live cast. However, great. not my first foray into interviews, and we're going to jump into this one. We have a very limited time. To, to, to squeeze a little bit of juice out of this young fella. So I want to know, like I already know his story, and, and he'll chime in, but I'd love to hear uh, the, your two-minute two version of why Ben Macias ne- had to stay at Shoals. All right, so to start out with, I've known Ben since he's been 12 years old. Wow. All right, so he was in junior high school when I first met him. He was my nephew's best friend. So I've known Ben forever. And when Ben and my nephew and Alex Tucker, who's with Shoals, um, they co-opt at Shoals during their college years. And uh, Started as an intern? I did, yeah. So I came over in the summer of uh, 2010, did an internship. And Wait, in came a- over from? So I was at school at Indiana University. I uh, was friends with his nephew. I came down for the summer. I was uh, selling furniture in Indianapolis, and his nephew asked, hey, my, my uncle's got a solar company. Why don't you come down to Nashville? It's growing. It's great. It's fun. And I said, oh, what the hell? Let's do this. So yeah. I did that, and uh, we had a great summer. We, yeah. you know, we, we sold a lot of stuff. summer of 2010. Uh, and, yeah, 2010. And, <laughs> and we uh, were probably on five international trips that year. We were. And uh, so I was getting ready to go back for my senior year of college. Uh, I had a girlfriend at the time. Uh, just signed a live-out you know, uh, contract for our fraternity house. And I was like, all right, Dean, thanks a lot for the opportunity. Uh, I'll see you. I'll see you later. And wait, wait right yeah. there. And you weren't ready to let him go. No, I said, F that. You're not going anywhere. Why? <laughs> Why? What? What? Ben, ben has a personality like, my, like me. Yeah. And, and there's only a few people that can actually genuinely sell and who are genuine with the way they do it. And I thought, okay, Ben, we're, we're just going to have to tag team here. You can get your degree later on because that's what I did and uh, we went crazy for quite a few years have you gotten your degree you know I've since worked back towards it so I have four classes to go Um, but I'm gonna get it done it's always been something that I've had on my list I've made promises to several people in this industry uh, that I was gonna get it done so I'm gonna get it done in the time since you were an intern to now what's been the how many millions of dollars has Shoals sold oh man a lot. Hundreds and hundreds of millions. Hundreds? Getting we're, close to a billion? We're over oh, yeah. that. Yeah, 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 over yeah. a billion? Yes. Okay. Easily. So, over a billion. How many of your senior college classmates have a VP title and have been involved in billions in sales? Uh, you know, I, I, not many. I, I, you know, it's funny. Know. is we go, go to Europe to a lot of the, the German solar shows, yeah. and you give them their, his, his card, and they say, that young kid, he can't be a VP. What's wrong with you Americans? You guys give titles away yeah, like, candy. like candy. And I said, don't worry. I, between Ben, Alex, and a few others, we're hitting it out of the park, having a good time. Do they deserve that yeah. title? Absolutely. Yeah, they, you, also, don't, you don't have to work 20 years to get that title just to feel good. And that, that's- that was also something that, you know, growing up, my father was a hardworking man, just like I'm sure most of our fathers were. And, you know, hard work beats anything. So you can, you can be a double degree in anything that you want. And go to you know prestigious colleges. But at the end of the day, 
hard work, you know, pays off. So yeah. plus, I think we're in good company with yeah. uh, Jobs and uh, Microsoft. Boy, I think they don't have degrees either, do they? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. So is that right, Dean? You don't have a degree. I never finished either. Never Senior finished year, either. my dad didn't have money to f- finish it out, and I just went and took off and didn't look back. And well, quite honestly, in the in the way the colleges are running right now, I think I'm more proud that I'm yeah. degreeless, even though I'm. You know, senior level, senior class mechanical yeah. engineering from Purdue. Love it. I, I had I like the hard work versus the uh, book smart. So it's not readily apparent to anyone other than the three of us talking that we're against the clock here because Ben's going to yeah. have to jump out. And I want to yeah. touch on something that folks who really know you guys uh, know the backstory, right? Uh, but I think it's just so critical to how you all operate and. Anyone who sees you now, like I said when we started off, you guys are practically father and son. But in the, in the true sense, I would say that in that light, Ben is more the prodigal son, right? And I, I use that term all the time. Right. Have I not used it a hundred yeah. times? Yeah. You yeah. have to. Yeah. I've done it with my dad. My, yeah. I carried a toolbox with my father from eight years old. And by the time I was 16, I had my own truck doing electrical and heating and air conditioning, mm. had my own tools, and had my own customer list. So I, I told my dad pretty much go to hell yeah. i got my own customers <laughs> and after i started going to purdue to get an education and all that i came back mm. right because i had to go and see what the grass felt like on the other side yeah and guess what it's cool you get to see the grass but you don't realize when you're in something great to begin with mm. in your initial uh, position where you're at when it kicks ass you don't really realize it until you go to other companies or other things and all of a sudden, you're you're wrapped into corporate bullshit. I don't know if I could say that yeah, on the air, but for it. and and find out, wow, this really sucks. Now the cool thing is, it's not as though like Ben went off and worked for some no name company, right? Like you opened the Nashville office for Next Tracker when Next Tracker had not yet been bought by Flex, right? Or was it right after? Uh, so we opened that office probably uh, a year into me being there. So uh, I came on in August of 2015. That that was opened. In May of 2016, and the flex acquisition. The flex acquisition happened a month after I started, so right. September. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, like the timing in your career is one of those just like impeccable things. However, prodigal son, back to the story. What, as I recall, and we don't need to go into the details. There was tension, as there should have been. The Absolutely, top sales guy in the company leaves. Right, it's and it's, that always it, happens, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, especially when you're in your your young 20s and you feel like you're invincible. You gotta totally. go. The prodigal son's gotta go and see what happens. Absolutely. And when he went, quite honestly, I mean, we did have a little bit of tension mm. because we went from uh, kind of like you know Yoda and the and the little Jedi boy to like Scott you know Walker. he was bringing his skills up, yeah. and it was time for him to fly. And when he left, I, I was perfectly fine with it. And I said the door, even when Alex Alex Stucker had mm. done the same thing, I said, listen, the second he said I need to go, I said, great, mm. doors always open. As a matter of fact. I think everybody who's left Shoals, which isn't many, before they even walk out the door, our first statement is, the door's always open. Yeah. Go learn life. Come back when you're ready. No issue. It's a lifetime business. Put me in the room the day that Ben gets back at Shoals. When was it? And what was the mandate? Oh, well, I think, so, you know, as that tension happened over the that couple of years that I was gone, mm-hmm. went to competitor, then went to Next Tracker for two and a half years. You know, we started seeing each other at these shows, and at first it was like, you know, walk separate ways. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're walking a little bit closer. 
and closer. And now we're having conversations and it's small talk. And then we're talking a little bit more and yeah. more and more. And now we're having full blown conversations. And then I think it really just happened when uh, Dean had uh, the party at SPI like we have yeah. every uh, every year. Yeah. Um, in September of 2017 at his yeah. party and said, hey, it's time. Uh, you know, it's time you for came you to up come. To him. Get like, your ass back home. Yeah, yeah. It's time to come it's back. Too much time. Yeah. S- you, you've had it and you found out it's not so much fun right and, and you kind of mentioned it before but it was for me it was i've always had pretty good timing yeah uh so at that time i was actually next tracker was going through uh, layoffs mm. right so i was you know one of those you know people but you know dean and i had you know started conversations about hey let's get the band back together and yeah. so you know that really excited me because you know shoals has been my baby just as much yeah. as it yep. has dean we I mean, grew this little monster we've taken this thing from like you know very small company to a you know very very well-known international company and yeah. you know of f-bombers uh it's it's my it's my home so very comfortable what are the two things that you teach your sales team that dean taught you what what are you like most ingrained about the way that he's built this company um I would just say, you know, he's a very hard worker. So, you know, hard work you, ethic. Can, you can say it, you can say it over and over, but you can tell when somebody's got that work ethic, uh-huh. that burning desire to win and not lose and very, very fiercely go after things. And so the work ethic is number one, I think, is you can look at anybody that's at our booth. They're all the same. Yeah. So we're, we're cut from the same cloth. Um, number two, uh, just have fun. Hmm. You know, we have fun. And I think everybody, when they pass by the booth, we're, we work hard, but we play hard too. So we want everybody to enjoy, you know, coming to these things. We want to get better at what we do. We want to celebrate the years, uh, the past year's successes. And that's what we do every year. We throw a party at SPI every year. Yeah. Uh, you know, second day of the show. And it's, it's appreciation party for everybody and what they're doing, Thousands. including our competitors, yeah. including our competitors. No, everyone goes. Yeah. yeah. Thousands. Of Cause people. at the end of the day, we're all human, mm. right? You know, the one thing I, I, I tell everybody who comes to work at Shoals, you remember when you were like 16 years old, you got your driver's license, you and your buddy picked up a six pack or two and went cruising, had a good time, got drunk. And the life was just standing in front of you, having a great time. I want everybody who works for me living in that mindset. Mm. I don't want you in a corporate mindset because in the corporate mindset, you have an 800-pound invisible gorilla on your back and you are a corporate player trying not to get in trouble within right. the organization. Screw that. I don't care. If bomb me 50 times a day, I don't care. It's all good. I smile when you do it to me. I'll give it to you. But I want you to have that innovation spark like life is open ideas we love stupid crazy ideas we don't throw anything out we try it we build it that day then we laugh at ourselves like how the hell do we come up with something so stupid to do what's the most harebrained idea you guys have brought to market that worked oh uh i would say the bla yeah Uh, Yeah. you know that is what's what's bla stands for so the bla stands for big lead assemblies and above for a big ass lead assembly yeah when you're politically not correct and uh, a lot of people thought we were crazy when we when we introduced it to the market, and because we labeled it as a combiner box killer, yeah. we did not want to produce another combiner box with fuses and fuse holders out there ever again. And so when we did it, you know, as a were, manufacturer of combiner, as boxes. a manufacturer yeah, of as combiners, one of the biggest in the in the country, and so, not the world. Uh, it has turned out to be one of the best decisions we've ever done. We're well over ten gigs of BLA in just three years. Wow, well yeah. over that. Um, so. Yeah, that's been the craziest one, I think. 
wow. everybody laughed at us. And we're like, well, yeah, you'll, you'll get it. Yeah. We usually come up with ideas. Like the BLA, before we really hit it and started marketing and showing it at the show, we worked on it for seven years. So people wow. think, oh, wow, you just come up with these ideas, throw them at the show. We don't because we are an automotive grade company. We test, we test, we reliability test, we alpha test, beta test, and we know the characteristics of that product before it ever hits the market. And if yeah. it doesn't meet a minimum of a 25 year lifespan, we're out. Yeah, yeah. so that's picking up on that. I, Nico, I want you to dig deeper on Dean, starting with the quality, like all the way back, yeah. 1989. Ask him those questions. Let's start with Bosch and work our way up. I have to go. I really appreciate your time, brother. Dean, my father. Yes, dear son. <laughs> I appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Yeah, thanks for being on, All Ben. Right. Thanks for Cheers. helping make this happen. So, Dean, you just hint- hinted at the what is effectively... Don't tear the wall down. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you just hinted at what is effectively the, the origin story, the roots of why Shoals has this uh, very, very focused attention on quality, repeatability, manufacturing as a process servicing customers take us back to when you were first introduced to the, the world of manufacturing and i'd love to see the evolution and how you got involved with first solar and and solar writ large sure so my career started so senior year didn't have money to finish college i went and took a job as manufacturer's rep and uh ge was putting a plant in nashville tennessee to build uh, blower motors for ford and it was a joint venture between General Electric and Bosch. So uh, I landed a bunch of business in metal stamping and, and uh, plastic injection molding as a sales rep. And uh, every time you become very successful as a sales rep, you sit in the owner's office and he says, you're making five times more money than I'll ever make as a commission sales guy. <laughs> so went to the next place. Within a year, I'm making more than the owner again. Did that three times. Mm. And at the time, back in the early 90s, most people took a 5% commission as a, as a rep. I was taking one, uh-huh. and I was still outpacing them in, in earnings. And uh, about um, 1995, 1996, after doing that with three different companies, I said, you know, I did well. I was 28 years old, kind of living at home, you know, repping at home in my underwear and doing well. And uh, decided, well, I'm going to just take a break for a year or two. You know, got a little bit of cash in the bank. And uh, Bosch heard that I had left all these different companies, GE and Bosch. And they said, uh, what you doing? I said, I'm painting my garage. They said, we, uh, we have entrepreneurial money. Every four years, we decide to give it to somebody who we think is going to, like, hit it out of the park. And uh, GE and Bosch gave me uh, $150,000 to start shoals as a manufacturing company within uh, about eight, eight weeks later i was building about 110,000 blower motors a, a week for ford delivering as a as a tier one automotive supplier which is about the hardest level tier manufacturer you can be and uh at that level you produce millions and millions of parts and at a what's called a ppm a defect rate of three parts per million is the max defect rate you can have so automotive forces you into super high volume, super low quality, super uh, reliable product with three defects per million and cost reductions every year. So I did that from about 92 to about 2003. And NAFTA kicked in hard around 2002. 
and uh, Bosch and GE split ways. Bosch bought out GE's motor business. And then uh, Bosch wanted, wanted to move all of their plants out of the United States to Toluca, Mexico. Mm. So I went down to Toluca, took a look, and I saw, wow, I, I really don't want to move my family and open up a whole new manufacturing plant down in Toluca. Beautiful business. Bosch has, hel- has helped me big time at that point. But I just didn't want to pick up and leave the country. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I get home and thinking, boy, I need to pray hard on this one, see what happens. And uh, about a week later, I get a call from this little eight-man startup company in Perrysburg, Ohio, that, that wanted junction boxes. And I said, you know, what would you hear? How'd you hear from me? And they said, automotive, we've heard about you. We want you to build a junction box. I'm like, well, what the hell's a junction box? And uh, went up to visit them, and that little startup company was First Solar. It yeah. had eight people in it, and they said, "Ah, we need about 50, uh, 50 junction boxes a week." That's about it. And then Bosch was pushing me to move the plant, and I told Bosch, "I said, you know, thank you for everything you've done. Let's take about six months to kind of decouple from each other. I, I just, I just can't do this." And uh, six months later, I have an empty plant in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and I get a call from First Solar, and they say, "Hey." We, we, we need about 50,000 of these junction boxes now. And I said, wow, great. A year? And they said, no, a week. So First Solar kind of took off into a massive exponential ramp. And quite honestly, we ramped with them. I tell everybody, they were like the solid rocket boosters on the Challenger. Going up, we held on to them. They exploded off into solar, and we held on and, and just went well. And then about a year later... I get a call from this company called Cypress Electronics who wants to get in and sell manufacturing. And I was like, well, what do you want from me? And they like, just a junction box. <laughs> so me and uh, at that time, Multicontact, we're, we're supplying junction boxes together. And, uh, you know, we sold them hundreds of junction boxes a month. And then they spun off as, as with an IPO and it became SunPower. So... At that point, I tell everybody, First Solar got really busy with with some power. First Solar and some power got really busy together one night, and out popped this little baby Shoals. <laughs> and, and between those two, they're still both of our great customers from this date. And and then going to the multi contact issue, they Solar was ramping up like crazy, and they couldn't keep up with the volumes. And I and I called multi contact said, hey. Why don't you let me build your product for you? Uh, they brought a bunch of people over from Switzerland and Germany, and we had discussions. And next thing you know, Scholz and Multicontact are in a joint venture manufacturing agreement and a customer agreement. So I became their biggest customer and I became their biggest manufacturer. And it, it was very incestuous, but it worked like hell. Hey, commercial solar friends, you've probably heard that 2020 starts the Solar Plus decade. Well, that doesn't just mean solar plus storage. It means solar plus intelligent software like DemandX, extensible energy's demand charge reduction software that inexpensively reduces demand and time of use charges by 30% without batteries or extra permitting. By including DemandX software in your proposals, you'll increase customer ROI, shorten payback times, and help close more commercial solar and storage deals. Contact Extensible Energy at extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast for a free demand charge analysis for your commercial solar project and start closing more sales 
in the Solar Plus decade. You know, I feel pretty confident to say that if you're listening to Suncast, you are an infinite learner, always looking for a new approach. And that's precisely why CPS America has agreed to help make this fresh content possible for you each and every week. CPS is the USA market share leader of three-phase string inverters, pioneering that approach since before it was cool. With more than two gigawatts shipped in America, their feature-rich, high-performance inverters and nimble service team stand out in a sea of sameness, just like you do. If you'd like to find out what CPS can do for your C&I or utility-scale business, you can click their logo at mysuncast.com or shoot me an email for an intro and let them know that you heard it here on Suncast. What a tremendous story, not only of timing, as we talked a bit about with Ben, no wonder you could see uh, yourself in Ben, right? The timing of his growth in the industry really mirrors a lot the timing of your growth as a young sales professional. I have so many questions just from that intro. One of the things that stands out to me that I feel like entrepreneurs sometimes have a hard time pivoting from one thing to another and connecting the dots between the macro skills they've learned and the micro tasks they need to address, right? So blower motors have, what does that have to do with junction boxes? Absolutely not. But it's a super complex product that it was 150,000 of them a week. Yeah. And if you made one bad motor, you might be sorting 500,000 of them sitting on a dock for months on end and ensure there's not the second bad one in that lot of parts. So if you didn't do your due diligence and manufacture that thing correctly and reliably, you'll spend your life sorting parts and the small sliver of margin you might have made as profit has been given up into sorting actions Yeah, and and liquidated damages. So completely not lost to me or anyone else why... uh your reputation preceded you in First Solar and then uh, Cypress Electronics, now SunPower, uh, followed suit to look for someone who had a keen attention to detail and a low defect rate, right? Looking yes. to automotive. I think that was genius. How at 28 years old did you have the slightest idea how to avoid these defects and how to inst- instill a manufacturing process that was repeatable and reliable? So back in the 90s, uh, Ford, GM, and Chrysler uh, implemented... They all had their different quality systems, and then they they switched to a uh, automotive system. It was called QS nine thousand, which was it's basically a bible of how you will process a part from start to finish. It, it starts out with design FMEAs into process manufacturing FMEAs into what are control FMEAs? failure modes, effects, and analysis. Okay. So you set up, you look at the part, you figure what are all the potential things that could go wrong with it, mm. give it a rating on a scale and then if that rating is high enough put in plans of how you'll design out that failure mode before it occurs yeah so uh, an automotive still does this so you you design these defemas into these process femas which then turn into control plans which then turns into inspection documents and process documents final inspection documents and then uh, before it leaves your dock you're doing one more inspection so automotive Let's, let's face it, prior to, say, 1985, 1990, all cars, no matter if they were American, German, Japanese, they were all junk, right? They were all shitty. Yeah. And, and so that's when the automotive guys got together and said, we're going we're gonna to develop this kind of manufacturing Bible that we will fight, force all of our sub-suppliers to adhere to. 
And if you don't adhere to it, you're not going to sell as parts. Yeah. And so that brought the game up massively right. across the supply chain. So the the one thing I, I really loved is this part this this process is called a PPAP, a production parts approval process, PPAP for short. So first floor asked me to deliver them some parts. They wanted a couple just to see my quality level. Right. I bought them a box a box of three hundred parts, and within the three hundred, randomly pulled thirty and did complete critical inspections on all those parts and delivered them a PPAP, which is about two inches thick. Yeah, and uh, walked in with you know these parts. They looked at him and said, what the hell is that? I said, oh, those are the PPAP parts. And then I handed them over the PPAP document, and they said, what's that? And I reached over, slapped them on the back, and said, I love you guys. This is going to be such a fun way to do business together. <laughs> because automotive took it to a psychotic level. Right. We, we slimmed it down to the things that mattered mm. and then implemented those into our schedules. And then after First Solar uh, really started to climb, they, they were... I'm not a small level of a manufacturer. They were kind of a mom and papa themselves that were starting to grow into high volume manufacturing. And they took a lot of the documents and procedures and processes that we had at Shoals coming from our automotive days and implemented them within their own processes and then took our quality documents and asked us if they could go across their supply chain, use our documents as uh, examples of what they want. And now even first floor and some power only take parts that have been PPAP approved through the automotive process. Talk about creating FUD in the industry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, from a sales perspective, I just love uh, hearing how you introduce these non-existent barriers to injury that are for the industry as it stands, right? And I have to imagine these are some of the things that you've helped your your team understand from a a sales perspective. What, What sort of tools from your manufacturer's rep days do you feel like as you moved into solar now you're working within the infrastructure of first solar and sun power and you're starting to think about how to offer more reliable services and products into the industry what tools did you bring in that really helped position shoals as a leader the the biggest thing we would do is get with our customers up front and try to understand what they were trying what goals they were trying to achieve and quite honestly when we get Early in the early 2000s and mid-2000s, every time we would go talk to customers about what they're looking for, they didn't understand reliability, quality control, and all these other things that went with it. And one of the things that happened is that back then it was all 600-volt systems. So if something went wrong and you got hit with that DC, you hurt for about a week. Your muscles are tense, (laughs) right? No problem. But once we started climbing up into 1,000 and 1,500, you don't hurt. You pretty yeah. much die. Yeah. And so we have gone to a lot of our custom, major customers. We go to their solar fields, and we basically do uh, we call Kaizen events. Yeah. And, and walk the fields and look at how they install, how they're bending over to pick product up, yeah. how, they're, how they're manipulating the laydown yards and the yeah. marshalling yards and how they're, how they're actually installing. And we bring them to our factory. We teach them our factory ways that we're manufacturing. We actually operate our plant to a Sesame Street style of manufacturing where First Solar logo at the time is red. So the First Solar process lines and people within our plant are operating Elmo. That's, that's process Elmo. Some power had a yellow logo. They're a big bird. 
Platinum Blue Cookie Monster. No so way. we've implemented all these. I'm probably going to get in trouble with Disney here, but we've implemented all this color coding to within the processes. So we took very hyper complicated processes and then dumbed them down. And uh, in manufacturing, normally what you want your operators or your, your team members to do is come in and learn statistical process control and all these big words they'll never want to know. We switched and said what we're gonna what, what we want you to do is we want you to we're gonna design the processes to where they've been uh, simplified so much that if you can make a mistake on the process you're running within the plant, shame on me. So I say kind of jokingly, we want you to come in in the morning, take your brain out of your head, put it on the coat rack, give me ten hours of mindless work. On the way out, don't forget to grab your brain and see you tomorrow. And if anything goes wrong within that day, it's never your fault. We didn't make the process robust enough for the for you to do your job correctly. Don't worry about ever making a mistake. And what happened is about 2013, we implemented this system. And uh, we, we had about 600 employees at the time. We, uh, within a week... We repurposed 125 employees, and our production went up 30 points in that short little window. Because what we did is we've taken the burden off the operators. We took all the supervisors away. Right. So if you work on a first solar line, you're wearing a red shoal shirt. You have a red light on the machine. And when you turn the machine on, it has 6 to 12 colors you can pick from. Those are the customers who are going to run for the day. You hit the color button, loads up the process, loads up the procedures. You have no choice. You can't adjust machines, and you just operate that machine for wow. 10 hours a day. And put your headphones on, jam out, do whatever you want. We don't care. Right. So all the stress has been removed because in the automotive environment, you're, you're taught have a supervisor running over three, four, five people and just beat them and beat them and beat them for productivity and uh, do not make defects. So those operators are under stress to perform, to get quality numbers out the door, to get production levels out the door, and I'm going to get yelled at every other hour because of it. We said, first thing I tell people is, we want we will treat everybody like an like a human, not an employee. And the thing happens is, when you treat people like humans, they treat you back three times better, right? So we took all that old-style manufacturing beat, beat, beat to get output, threw it out the window and said, just give me good parts. And uh, we've, we've taken that system, we, uh, we kind of pimped it out, and we've taught three or four of our customers, we've gone to their solar fields, and we've implemented the same color-coding system on how they install their plants. Right. And some of those EPCs now are some of the best, most efficient EPCs in the world. You will drive up to some of their sites at the gate, and you'll see color-coded charts on uh, what's running for the day. Is it racking going in? Is it EBOS going in? Is it inverters? Is it inspections? And everybody's dressed in color-coded shirts. And what happens is, on a solar field, let's say you've got a 1,000-acre field. And you got hundreds of people on that field. Everybody's in plain clothes and a safety shirt, yeah, safety vest. Well, the guy comes in in the morning and he enters the field at one side. 
slowly meanders his way to get to his work site. Now it's break time, right? Now all of a sudden there's a bunch of people that are gathered together. If you think they're working, they're socializing. Because one of the rules we've implemented at our plant is one machine, one operator, one color. The lights are not flashing. I am earning money. If that light on his machine at our plant starts to flash, that means he's working with out of cycle time. We don't do anything about it. We give him 10 minutes, like a Pavlov's dog, pellet. The light will start to flash and said, hey, something's not right in this process. We give you time to correct yourself. And after 15 minutes, the lights will then call a supervisor to come see what's up. And there's only two reasons lights are flashing in our plant. It's break time, lunch time, or... The machine's not operating or that operator's just not getting it and operating out of sequence. So in that whole theory of constraints in the process, you have a, a process to say 10 machines in a lineup yep. and the middle one's flashing, you're all of a sudden losing money. Right. Right. So they see that light light starts start to flash and like Pavlov's dog, they see that light flashing, they speed themselves up. They self-correct. They have their own confidence that they're not going to be yelled at. I right. sped up. Because there are no mistakes. Everybody else within my team is now back in pace. Right. And life is good. And just, everyone's counting on you. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's just two. And our floor, also the one thing we've done is we put a mezzanine above our plant floor. And I, ha- I call it the Pride Rock from the Lion King. And we have our two lions sitting up on the Pride Rock. One is the plant manager and the other is the materials manager's. They live permanently up on that deck, and all they're doing is scanning the floor, looking for flashing lights, and is there more than two shirts that are gathered together? Each machine, one machine, one person, we're making money. If there's two people standing next to each other, we're probably not working, we're socializing. But guess what happens? They now know that it's being seen, and they correct themselves and walk away from the situation. How do the lights start flashing? They have... They're timed yeah. by the process. Yeah. So the process knows what cycle it has okay. to operate within. And when that cycle drops below set level, yeah. the light starts to flash. Got it. Got it. So if two people are hanging out, clearly they're below their cycle time. And, Amen. And, it and it's costing you double the time for that person to be there. And then the other thing we do in the plant is if you see somebody in street clothes, they are a temporary labor that we are trialing to see if we like them as an employee. Yeah. And they stick out like a sore thumb. Wow. And then all my maintenance people are in tie-dye. So you, you, I could, you could walk in our plant. I could teach you the system in 20 seconds. You could walk on my floor, 100,000 square foot plant, and you could repeat verbatim what processes are running, where my maintenance people are, where my supervisors are, and all the different things that run within that organization. So, again, Dean, at 28, you began getting indoctrinated in this process. Uh, You've now got a few decades working under it, but how? What was the process for you of learning this? Because it's not—it's not intuitive. It seems the way you explain it, like, oh, that's logical. But, yes. But there are thousands, millions of companies operating out of sequence. By the way, you define it. Yeah. Well, I'll say, I want to say, wow, well, you know, all the years I went to Purdue and kind of learned things. Absolutely not. What I learned. I learned from my father from eight years old to about 16 years old carrying a toolbox. We did heating and air condi- commercial heating and air conditioning and electrical work up in Gary, Indiana. And kind of like a farmer out in the farm field, when his equipment breaks, he's the only one there. Yeah. 
Yeah. If you don't fix it, you're yeah. not getting home. Yeah. It was the same for me. We were up on a roof working on a system, and when things break, you have to you have to debug it yourself. Yeah. You have to solve the problem. Nobody's there to hold your hand. Mm-hmm. You got to figure things out, and you learn how to critically think by being in those positions, and, and come up with ways to figure out how to get around things. And, and when I go to a solar field, I'd say I look for like guys like myself, the big overweight guy who's on that solar field that doesn't really want to be there because he's kind of lazy, case in point myself, and and walk with him and ask him, how can I make you a more efficient worker? Because if I could take the guy who's overweight, sweating, kind of working slowly, doesn't want to really be on that site and make him productive, I can make everybody else super productive. Right. So that's how we go look for those guys or gals and say, we, we need to figure out how to make you an efficient employee within this system. How do I make you uh, productive from hour one to hour 10 throughout the day? And that's one other thing we do, which people don't seem to want to understand, is all those people, no matter if they're in a factory or they're in a PV field, you got to limit the times they're bending over, yeah. reaching, reaching up above their shoulders and all those things that make people hurt. Because you can treat people crappy and, and taskmaster them to get work out the door in 10 hours. They go home that night. They're tired as hell. They're eating a lot of leave or whatever. Yep. They come in the next day. They're s- sort of hurting. So in hour one, yeah. they're a little less productive than they were the day before. Mm. They go through another 10 hours of being in pain. So that domino effect gets worse and worse. So figure out how to make that employee from hour one to hour 10 feels good as he did when he got there. Right. And you're going to have a very productive work staff. Amazing. So at our plant, we have people on fatigue mats. We have them exercising. We have them moving. We have people actually gardening outside our plant at at break to grow vegetables, right? Just to get the monotony out of their brain. And you'll have people who are happier working. And when they come in, they're happy to come to work. They're happy because they know... I'm not going to bend over a hundred times today, and then all of a sudden I have lower back problems. Right. Your healthcare costs come down, and you just have a more productive workforce. I never expected that this would turn into a uh, a session on how to optimize for happiness in the workforce, uh, but this is <laughs> happy it, it workers, is a, happy factory. Yeah, I mean, this is a masterclass on thinking through and optimizing the process uh, of not just manufacturing but the process of success and success is certainly something that you have experienced in uh in your business we talked a bit about it uh early on uh i always ask a question that i think you sort of sit given your personal uh take on how to lead company and how to be present in the industry you have become in many ways a controversial figure right There, there are lots of things that you've done that are controversial but at a macro level, is there a position or maybe a few of them that you hold that you feel are particularly controversial and you like stand by them? Not really. No. I mean, quite honestly, I, I, I kind of gave that example of 16-year-old with mm. your, just got your driver's yeah, license yeah. and a six-pack of beer. Mentally, I'm staying there my whole life. I'm 55 years old. I've never grown up. Mm. I, I grew up a little bit, and I got screwed by the companies who have thrown me out. And I say thank you for throwing the Wow. throwing me out at those junctures in my career. Mm. It seemed terrible at the time, but they taught me how to fight harder, yeah. faster, fiercer, yeah. right? Don't give up. And everybody comes to to interview with us, 
the first thing I tell them is, all right, can you handle F-bombs? Yeah. Because we, we enjoy them at Shoals. Yeah. And can you keep that 16-year-old mentality? Yeah. And we're going to say some off-color stupid things. We're going to have a good time drinking a little much. We're going to work like mad. But I want you to be in that innovative, creative space in your mind where life was enjoyable and you had the future bright in front of you. Yeah. Bright light just waiting to go. I don't want the corporate crap. Don't bring it because if you try to come to shows and, and indoctrinate corporate, it's not going to work. Right. I, I, ben, you you know Ben and mm-hmm. Jason and everyone. You see my whole staff. We're all very we're an eclectic group yeah. of misfit toys, <laughs> right? And we enjoy a very efficient it. and effective group of misfit yeah, toys. And because I'm allowing people to innovate and have an active voice, so, and the door is open to to just come and, and act that way. So I've seen how you have mentored and breathed life into the guys that work for you. Is that something that you experienced in your teens and twenties? And do you have mentors that you think back on? I'd love to hear. What uh, were some key lessons or takeaways from from those who influenced you? I'm going to go back to my dad again. Really, I guess when I was at Purdue, I uh, co-opted at Inland Steel Corporation for a semester. I picked up a couple of patents in the first semester. Uh, They they give you a workload of three or four things to do within your semester of engineering school as a co-op student. And quite honestly, I accomplished those things in about four weeks they were way too easy tasks and then i started doing other things and picked up a couple of patents and then on that way i kind of pissed off a lot of people within that corporate structure and i remember the engineer who was in charge of me the mentor at the time he, he pulls me aside and says you know dean uh you're uh you're more of a lee iacocca which was running chrysler at the time doesn't care what he says who he offends yeah and and gets things done he goes my suggestion to you is never work for corporate America because you'll never be able to handle it. And I took his words Amazing. head on, listened to it very yeah. loud and clear, and, and said, forget it. And that's why I started doing manufacturing rep because I get up in the morning when I want. I worked as hard as I wanted to. And if I failed, my wallet and my paycheck showed I failed. Right. And uh, I'd wake up 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, work till 10 o'clock every night trying to figure things out. Right. And a lot of failures, and thank God for the failures, because without those failures, you wouldn't have the success. And also, those failures help keep you humble when you are successful, because a lot of companies and individuals who have you know, had the silver spoons in their mouth and grown, Ben's an example. He was selling furniture, yeah, right? But I, I saw the spark in Ben. Yeah. He, had, he had that spark in his, in his eyeballs and his heart that he, he was going to fight no matter what. Yeah. And he learned very quickly. And those are the people I like to surround myself. I, I don't want people who are going to blah, 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 be the monosyllabic talking head that right. nobody wants to ever listen to. And uh, we will try anything all the time yep. and just screw it up. Yeah, We have to screw it up because, I, I, jokingly, I'll tell everybody, I was set for this because in my dating career early on in high school and college, it took 10 no's to get the one yes for the girlfriend, right? So I was used to rejection. So rejection didn't You're bother me. <laughs> right? So I was, when I hit, when I hit the no, yeah. I, I say, well, three more no's and the yes is coming, right? It. Yeah, you got it in your blood. And, and it didn't bother me. I, I took it as a yeah. hell of a way to succeed. 
Well, Dean Solon, I wish that we had another hour to really dig in. Perhaps I'll have to invite you back for a round two. This has been an absolute joy. And for those who are, uh, are fans of Suncast, I know that they're going to be looking forward to hearing this and, and digging in. I'm grateful for Ben Macias. I'm grateful for Scholes for helping put the Podcast Lounge into SPI 2019. And grateful for you, sir, for being an example of the willingness to never give up and to bring quality and reliability to the forefront of the industry, to transfer knowledge outside of other industries into solar, and to, uh, to be enigmatic, right? To be an iconoclast in that way, <laughs> that to, not, to not look to your left or your right, like charge after your goal. Yeah. I look forward to seeing how Shoals continues to create another billion dollars worth of wealth in the world and, uh, and save, uh, save our, our planet. My pleasure. Thanks for coming. And yeah. I'll throw out, you're more than welcome to have a little infocast or or cast, sun cast, I'm sorry, at Shoals right, right in our, on our plant floor while we're manufacturing. That would be fantastic. We'll have to go visit uh, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Portland, Tennessee, Muscle Shoals. You, you come anywhere you like. Absolutely. All Challenge right. accepted. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining. All right, Solar Warrior, that is a wrap on the first podcast for Suncast of the 20s. Let's see what this decade has to bring, yeah? And I'm really looking forward to the next decade with you. I love the super dedicated outro listener that you are. You've got an insatiable hunger for learning. Well, you, my fellow Philomath, can follow the yellow brick road to resources and highlights from this and every discussion, along with the social media links, book recommendations, and more over on the blog at mysuncast.com. I recently added a big old button there on the homepage that will take you straight to it. And since I know you're here listening to the closing credits, I also know that you're dedicated to improving yourself personally and professionally. Well, I'm committed as well to that continual improvement for the, for the show. So while you're on the website, I'd love it if you would take just two minutes out of your precious life and give us feedback in our first ever listener survey. I have read each and every one of the submissions that we've gotten in December, and I would love to encourage you to take the survey. Just go to mysuncast.com. Give us your feedback. Let's see how we can improve Suncast in the coming year. I'll be announcing the winner of our 2019 drawing via the newsletter for our Suncast tribe in the coming days. Thanks to everyone who joined the tribe and those who applied for our coaching spots in December. I'm looking forward to getting those calls going soon, and I'm really excited for some of the upcoming webinars and other goodies that we have teed up for you in the tribe and our Suncast Guild in the coming weeks and months. Remember, you are what you listen to. Happy New Year, and thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.